I heard a hop, lot more hooping and hollering at the Chiefs game. We're talking about God Almighty here. Children ages 4 to 12 can be dismissed to go to Children's Church at this time. It's good to be in church today, right? I already feel like I've been in church. Feel the spirit moving during praise and worship? I love that part of coming to church. We ready? We're good to go? All right. Um, I, I titled this message today, Serve God or Else. Get it? I've never heard this message preached before just like this, but serve God or else. So I was driving to the hospital last week. We were in the NICU, for those who don't know. Am I loud out there? Yeah. Kind of booming, and I'm probably going to get a little louder in the microphone, so you might want to turn me down just a smidge. So I, I was driving to the hospital this week. We, we've been in the NICU for a couple weeks with, with Jesse. He was born and, and, and flown to the, to the Children's Mercy. So anyways, I was driving back, and I was listening to my, to my audio Bible. It's in the NIV translation. It was in First Chronicles chapter 5, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, we're going to go back and read verse 25, but uh, it was going along talking about how how these were mighty men of Israel, and they were blessed, and they were God's people, and all the things that were going on at that time, and everything changed up in just two verses. Verse 25 and 26, everything changed completely, and and it said, here's here's what it it brought me to. It said, uh, during the time it said, 25 said they prostituted themselves. These men that were, that were mighty men, and they, were, and they were the men of Israel, they were God's people, said they prostituted themselves. And, 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 and in verse 26 it says, God stirred up the king of Assyria to take them captive. So all the good things they had going for them were kind of canceled out in two verses right there, right? So it got me to thinking, are we prostituting ourselves to other gods I'm talking about? I'm not talking about a sexual act, I'm talking about a spiritual act. Right? So are we prostituting ourselves to other gods, right? We can be big and powerful. We, can, we live in the most mighty nation on the planet, United States of America, right? Yeah. But we could be big and powerful and mighty as a nation, just like these people were. They were mighty as a nation. We could be mighty on our own ability. We can think we're mighty in our own ability, right? Sometimes it's only in our head that we're mighty in our own ability. But we can be all these things. But if we're not serving God, we will be taken into captivity. It happened over and over and over and over again in the Bible, right? So, so whether you're in captivity to, to sin, whether you're in captivity to sickness, whether that's physical or mental, whether you're in captivity financially, captivity emotionally, or the nation is taken into captivity, if we're not living for God, good things aren't going to happen to us. So we have to serve God or else, right? So I believe that, that Christians... Are a remnant, though, that, that God has Christians all throughout the world, but especially in this country. This country was founded on Christianity. Yeah. In God we trust, it says right on our money. Our forefathers put Christianity all through, all through everything that they wrote. That's, that's what this country was founded on. So I believe that there's always been that remnant here, right? And, and the Jesus calls Christians, what? what's he call us? He calls us the salt and the light of the earth, right? So if we're the salt, salt preserves things. So it's because that remnant of Christianity, the, the remnant of the Christians, the, the, the good praying folks that God still has here in this country, that he has his hand on this country still. That's my belief. I can't prove it in the Bible, but, but that's why this country hasn't dwindled any further than it already has. Are you following me? That's why we're not in captivity. As great as this nation is, we could wake up one day and be captive to another nation. It could happen. It happened throughout the Bible. Over, it's happened in history. Through, it's repeated itself over and over and over again. So 1 Chronicles chapter, or chapter 5, verses 25, we're going to read it in the King James today. I've got two scriptures in the King James. They're going to switch over to the New King James. It says, and they transgressed, talking about these mighty men. These men of God, right? This is, this is the northern part of Israel that we're talking about here. And they transgressed against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring. 
They went whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. So they were whoring after these things. And, and whoring, the King James uses this word whoring, right? The NIV uses the word prostitute. The New King James uses the word harlot. I was talking to my wife about this. She said, why are you studying whoring so much? Because this thing just caught my attention. You know, when you're preparing for a message, I wasn't even looking for a message on the day. I was just looking for time with God, and I was listening to my audio Bible, and it just jumped out at me. And God said, are we prostituting ourselves? Is the church today prostituting themselves? Right? Because we sure look an awful lot like the world. We've let so much of the world into the church that we no longer look like the church. Are you following me? So these, these words, whoring, prostitute, and harlot, they all mean to commit fornication, adultery, or spiritual adultery, right? So the definition of fornication is to have sex with someone that you're not married to. That's a sin. The Bible says that's a, sexual, that's a, that's a, a, a sin of the, of the flesh, or a, what is it? However, or adultery is have sex with someone other than the person you're married to. Are you following me? So, so one of these, I, I never caught this before, but, but he's talking about here. So one of them is if you're in a relationship with God, right? And one of them is if you're not yet in a relationship with God. So either way we do this, if we're prostituting ourselves to other gods or we're putting other things in front of God, whether you're in a relationship with him or not, God's not liking it. He's not caring for these things. He looks at it as, as fornication or, or adultery. So these mighty men, they were of the northern kingdom of Israel. They were God's people. They were increasing in number, the Bible says, right? But they prostituted themselves to other gods. God, God had destroyed before them. When they took over these nations, they were going and taking over countries before this themselves. And, and they saw God destroy these other gods in front of their eyes. What has God destroyed in front of your eyes? Other gods that's been in your life that he's delivered you from. Think about those things that he's destroyed in your life. But we let them back in the door. We leave the door open to them and they come right back in. And it's not all at once usually. Usually it's little by little by little by little. In 26 it says the God of Israel, talking about the God of their fathers, right? The God that we serve today. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Israel stirred up the king of Assyria to take them captive. Because they did this. Are y'all going to be quiet all day today? Because they, because they watched God destroy these other gods, but then they went whoring themselves out to them again. They prostituted themselves to these gods again after God had already removed them from in front of them. Gave them these nations because they were prostituting themselves to these gods. Are you following me? Are you following me here today? Psalms 106, I want to show you something else. When I started looking up this word and I started searching it out in the Bible and I, and I was studying more about it, I came across this. Psalms 106 and 39 says, Thus... He's talking about another group of people here now. Thus were they defiled with their own works, the things that they had made, right? So we're talking about idols. Now, idols don't have to be a golden calf. Idols don't have to be a fat man on a pole. And went a-whoring, there's that word again, a-whoring with their own inventions, the things that they had invented themselves. Now think about that right there. Works, inventions, this equals your spouse. Your kids, your job, your hobbies, sports, kids' sports, whatever it may be, if they're getting in front of God, you're whoring. You're prostituting yourself or your family. You follow me? You're stepping out on God. Not you. I'm not standing on the box. We're stepping out on God. I'm as guilty as anybody. I, I struggle with my time management terribly bad. 
especially this last two weeks being in, in the hospital. I, I've never, I hope you never have to, have, have, have to do that, or if you have done it before, I, I hope, I pray for you. Because to stay for two weeks in the ICU, time just blurs by it. Everything runs together. And I took two Bibles up there with me. I was trying to study. I was trying to prepare for last week. I was trying to have my own personal prayer time. And, and people were in and out of the room every hour or two. You don't sleep. Your mind doesn't work the way God designed it to work when you don't sleep like that. And things are just happening all the time. And, and you don't know if it's nighttime or daytime. So I really struggled the last two weeks over this. But, but he spoke to me on my ride back to the hospital. This, Are we prostituting ourselves? We are the body of Christ. Think about that. The body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. I'm the body of Christ. It's not this, this building is not the church. The people who sit in this building are the church. We don't come, we don't, we don't go to the church. We are the church. We bring the church. Are you following me? This reminded me of Gomer. Everybody know the story of Gomer? Look it up. It's in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet and God told him, you go marry a woman who's a, who is a prostitute and you have children with her. And God had Hosea do this so he could show the world what they were doing to him, to God. So he married this woman. He had kids with her, and she kept slipping off, and she was being promiscuous. He didn't even know if these kids were really his or not. Had no way of knowing. Ended up, she, she came into bondage through, through prostitution, she, just like we do. We come into bondage when we prostitute ourselves away from God, I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual thing. Get this right today. I'm talking about spiritually. When we prostitute ourselves spiritually and we get into other things, instead of having God first, we get into bondage. We get into addictions. We get into mental afflictions. We get into physical afflictions. You get what I'm saying? And the list goes on and on and on. It goes on. We get into financial afflictions. We get ourselves in trouble financially. We get ourselves in trouble all sorts of ways. Hosea loved this woman so much that he went over and paid what she owed to the man. At one time, he was paying, he was bringing food to her while she was living with other men. Isn't that just like a picture of God? God loves us so much, he still takes care of us. He still provides for us, even though it's just breaking his heart inside. It's tearing him up inside to see the church doing this. Are you following me? Live for God or else. We have to live for God or else. We will be taken captive to other things. Some of you, all of you, all of us have experienced it firsthand, some to more of a degree than others, but we've all experienced it. So this is reoccurring throughout the Bible, right? You can look, you can start in Genesis and start reading it. And in almost every book, it talks about the people of God, the children of Israel, how they, how they're living for God and they're blessed and God takes care of them and he protects them and they're multiplying and they're growing and they're taking over other nations and, and they're growing and they're plundering them and they're taking all their things in. Y'all know the stories, right? And then they get away from God and they start falling to the gods of these other people who God showed them. They took the nations away from the people because they were serving those gods. But they would fall to those gods. They would prostitute themselves to that. That's what the church looks like. Can you see that? The church is dabbling in the world. We are dabbling in the world. Are you following me? In one degree or another, everybody's doing it. Doesn't make it okay. Doesn't make it all right at all. God gave me this message for a reason. So if this is reoccurring, and then, and, they're, and then they're taken captive. So if this is taken, if this is reoccurring throughout the Bible, how many know what 2 Timothy 3.16 says? My palm's itching. I must have some money coming to me today. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God. All of it. So who told these men what to write in the Old Testament? 
So if God thought it that important that he told this story over and over and over and over and over and over again, how many times does he have to say it before we get it through our thick heads? How many times does God have to tell us? Are we even getting in our Bible and reading those stories? If we're being honest with ourselves, are we really getting in there and reading those stories? Or has our Bible been collecting dust? But how many times does he have to say that thing? Serve God or else he's a jealous God. He will take his hand off of us. Serve God or else. We look, we look at so many scriptures and we think, man, that's silly. I would never do that. I would never serve a golden calf. I would never do those things. You all see, thought the same things before, right? That is so silly. I would never do that. But, but we start off and, and, and we wouldn't. It, it, like we wouldn't go from here. You don't go in at full blast all at once because, because we start off as Christians. We, we, we've came to God. We've asked him to forgive us of our sins. We, we, we've changed some things in our life. Probably not everything. Sister Linda talked about this morning. Probably not everything because there's some things that we like to hold on to. Right? Oh, come on. Give me a good amen because we're all guilty of it. There's some things that we like to hang on to. There's some things that we're not really ready to let go of just yet. I really like to do this over here, though, Pastor. This is really fun for me, and I enjoy it, right? I enjoy spending time with my car. (laughs) My wife doesn't like it much, but it takes more of my time. It's my time management problem. I'm just being transparent for you today. It can be that. It doesn't have to be necessarily some big, huge sin, but if I let it get between me and God, it's a problem. I'm prostituting myself. I am the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. What are you allowing to be in front of him? You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? So we start off our Christian lives and we're living for God and we're so blessed. And have you ever noticed how a brand new Christian can pray things and just bam, it just happens for them? Just over it. When you're brand, God wants to show himself off to you when you're a brand new baby. And he'll cause things to happen in your life that he may not, ha- that may not happen again for years like that. Older Christians may pray and pray and pray to get stuff that is just happening for you. Things are just clicking. So we start off like that, and, and we're just blessed, and, and, and God's got his hand on us, and he's protecting us, and, and, and everything's just going our way, right? We've seen so many people come to the church and, and get jobs and, and, their, and get their children back, and everything's just going their way, right? And, and then sin comes along, and sin has a way of turning us. Even though we're living in all that blessing, and we're living with God's protection, and, and, and we're feeling God's love, and, and some of us were missing father figures, and some of us had big holes inside of us when we came to God. Are you following me? I had a hole inside of me. I was putting everything in there I could. Lust and addiction and, and, and alcohol and anything that I could put in that hole to fill that void. And I didn't even realize that I had that void until I came to God, and then I felt his big, huge love just come and fill that hole up inside of me. And I was healed. So you're this new Christian, and you're feeling all those things coming, along, coming into your life, but then sin has a way of coming along and turning us, right? Sin has an implied promise of greater good. It makes things seem like they're going to be better over there. Even though you just came from over there, it's been a while and you forgot where you were at. You forgot how good you've got it now, right? So sin has an implied promise of greater good, so we start to compromise just a little bit. Usually it starts off, very small, very minute. We'll scoot back a row. Right? You follow me? We'll miss a church service. I tell people all the time, 
Don't miss. Don't miss. If you miss Wednesday, it's going to be easier to miss Sunday. If you miss Wednesday and Sunday, next week's going to be really hard to come back. And if you miss for a month, it's nearly impossible to come back because the devil jumps all over you and says, those people over there are talking about you. You don't want to go back over there. You know they don't like you anyway. All the junk that the enemy comes against you and tells you, you're not good enough. I told you you weren't good enough to live this down the first time. And you thought you were. What makes you think you're so high-minded that you got over on me? I pulled you right back down, and you're right here wallowing in it again. He tells you all those things, right? Does he not? That's why it's so very critical not to compromise in the first place. Don't compromise in the first place. And then some of those people come back in, and they sit on the back row, and they're Shelby. (laughs) I'm not talking about her today. (laughs) That's our oldest daughter and our granddaughter. So it's very critical not to start off compromising in the first place, because if you compromise even just a little bit, it's a toehold for the enemy. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. That tells me if I don't give him a place, he don't have a place. You have the authority over him. You have to give him any place that he's got. If you give him a toehold, it becomes a foothold, and then he's got a leg hold, and then he's got you. He's got you. So it's critical not to ever compromise in your faith, in your walk with God, not even a little bit. Little Johnny's got a game on Wednesday night. I'm sorry, little Johnny. If my kids have a game on Wednesday night, they're going to miss because we're going to church. And I'm not picking at you if you've missed because your kids have sports. But my kids aren't allowed to do that because I realize the importance of compromise or not compromising. Because if I start to compromise a little bit, next time it'll be on a Sunday. You follow me? Or it'll be several weeks in a row. Katie was looking for a job here a while back, and and she had an interview, and they said, well, we'll try to get you off most Sundays, but but we can't guarantee anything because we need you. You still got to work. And I told her I would not take that job. I wouldn't take it because if you take that job, you're telling them already that I'm going to compromise. You've already got me to compromise over this job. And then they're going to take advantage of you. And if you stand up to them right now, they're either going to turn you down, which is fine too because it's not the job for you, They're going to turn you down or they're going to respect you because you stood up for your values and your beliefs. And that's it. No compromise when it comes to that. Are you following me? When it comes to your spiritual walk, when it comes to you and God. Now, I understand if you have a job and it's a good job and you got to work sometimes. That happens. I got put on night shift. I was on nights for 16 months. I hated it. I hated missing church. And every time that I could get out of there, I couldn't quit. I had insurance for my family there. I, I was making decent money. I mean, I had to have the job to, to provide for my family. But I did what I could do. I mean, as soon as I could, I changed that thing in my life. I was able to, I, 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 was, I was very disgruntled with my job at that time. I didn't know if I was going to make it very long at that time. And, and uh, God showed me that that place was just a mission field. So I just went in and started telling everybody about God. I'd load up all the Bibles and commentaries, anything I had in a, in a gym bag. All of my head back then was about 70 pounds, and I'd carry them all the way to the back of the Ford plant. It's a long ways back there if you've never walked it before. All the way back in the back corner where you go up the stairs for, for uh, truck paint. Anyway, I'd carry that bag back there, and we'd have Bible studies. And sometimes people would show up. Sometimes people would get saved. Sometimes I'd be sitting back there by myself with my 70 pounds of books. It was frustrating some of those nights. But when everybody in my area knew about God and people got saved, and maybe all the ones that wanted to get saved were saved back there, you know what happened? I put in two bids. I put in, I put in for a non-promotional transfer to go to transit side, and I put in a bid for day shift, right? A shift preference. And I got both of them within two days. 
I moved the days and I moved the transit side. Way better jobs. I just had to, tell, I had to do what I was there for. So what I'm saying is sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but be looking for that way out of there. Don't settle for that thing. Don't compromise in your spiritual walk. It's critical for you. And it, it'll start off small and it'll seem insignificant. But that's what he wants it to look like. He's sly and he's smooth and he's been doing this for thousands of years. If you did something for thousands of years, you'd figure out the loopholes in it, right? That's what, he's, that's what the enemy does. So an example of this could be Israel, right? They started off blessed, right? They started off blessed. It was a blessing for them to go live into Egypt. Joseph went there first. They sold their brother into Egypt, into slavery. You all know the story, right? Yes, am I putting you to sleep? They sold him into slavery into Egypt, and then the, the dad sent the brothers over to buy grain because Egypt, Joseph had interpreted a dream. They knew there was going to be a famine in the land. They stored up grain, so, and, and Joseph found favor in the eyes of, of, of the Pharaoh at that time. And Joseph was in charge over everything in the land. Over, over, he, he could have you killed. He, he, could, he could give you the grain. He, he could do what he wanted to do. He was second in charge only to the king, only to the Pharaoh. So his brothers came to buy grain. Very blessed, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think you'd be very blessed if you showed up the place and your brother was running the country? Yeah. Wouldn't you think that's a pretty good blessing? Their brother was running the country when they got there. And he gave them the grain and they ended up moving in. However, you, you all know the story. They ended up moving in, but, but uh, time passed by. Generations is the word I was looking for. Generations passed by and they forgot who Joseph was. The Egyptians forgot who Joseph was. And, and in the meantime, the Israelites had, prof, had, had prostituted themselves to the Egyptians' way of doing things. They were serving their gods. They were doing all those things in front of them. That's just like the world today, though. The world today has forgotten what the church looks like. They've forgotten who the church is. They've forgotten what we're supposed to look like because we look like them. We're prostituting ourselves to their way of doing things. Are you following me? a picture of us. So, so their blessing became a cursing. Through this, they became slaves for 400 years. That's a pretty good curse, right? Went from, went from running the country to being a slave for 400 years. Multiple generations. Think about that. Think about that. That's, that's a picture of us today. You see people come to God. Remember that same person, us, when we were brand new Christians? We came to God asking him, shooting for the moon, all the things we wanted. And he delivered and he gave it to us and, and he provided for us. And he filled that big hole, that big void I had inside of me. He filled that all full of his love and his mercy and his grace. And he changed my life forever. Are you following me? That happens today. But so many people allow those blessings to be their curse. Right? They get their kids back and then they serve their kids. They prostitute themselves to their children. Make sense? Whatever the, they want this good job. Well, they get this good job, and then they start working all the hours they can work, and they forget about going to church. They forget about their relationship with God. Forget about God. He got me here. He got me the things I need to have. He got me the things I've always wanted. He protected me. He loved me. But then I'm going to prostitute myself to the blessing he gave me. Isn't that what Israel did? Doesn't that look like the church today? You think God gave us all these examples for a reason? Very, very, very wise God. I only have two more pages of notes. I'm going to get you out of here. Oh, no, three more pages. I'll get you out of here in the next hour and a half or so. So Isaiah 29, 13, this is the New King James now, says this. Therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near 
with their mouths talking about the church and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Just taught by, we just go to church. It's when religion becomes routine instead of real, right? We just go to church, we just go do, and we go through the motions. And we get up Sunday and we take a shower, we put on our best clothes, and we're just here. I'm here all the time, but my worship to God is just out of the repetitiveness of it. Are you following me? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned. We ask God to forgive us. But we don't change some things. Sound familiar? Yeah. We change a few things. We might change some big things. But there are things still back in the back of the closet that we need to throw out. We need to get completely rid of. And we can't get rid of those things on our own. We have to ask God to help us. We have to press into him. He'll get rid of those things if we want to really get rid of them. But he's not going to take them from us unless we freely give them. We have to turn them over to him, right? So we change some things, but not all things. Romans 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed through the renewing of your mind. So you have to come out from among them and be ye separate. We have to be separate. We have to look different to the world. There has to be a change in our life, constantly changing. When you were saved in the first year, think about how much you changed in the first year that you were saved. Were you perfect after that? So then why do we stop changing? That change has to be an ongoing thing. Year after year after year after year. We won't be perfected till our feet leave the ground. That's when you'll be perfected, when you get your new body. Right? Second Chronicles 7.14 says this. If my people, leave this up for a second, sis. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And I think most of us do that. Most of us pray and seek God's face. And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Stop God talking. God will hear from heaven, and I and, and God will forgive their sins and heal their land. Forgive their sins. So if first word says if. That's a huge word right there. God doesn't say he's automatically going to hear from heaven. God doesn't say he's automatically going to forgive your sins. Doesn't say he's automatically going to heal your land. It says, if my people who are called by my name. What do we call ourselves? Christians, followers of Christ. More importantly, the church. We are Christ's body. How much more do we get to be in his name than his body? Right? If my people who are called by my, by my name will humble themselves. God doesn't want to have to knock us down. He doesn't want to have to spank us. He wants us to humble ourselves. We have to lower ourselves and lift him up. Right? That's where we get in trouble with sin at. When God's bringing us along and he's helping us and and he's he's filling us full of his love and all these things that are going on, then we get a little high-minded and sin looks a little better. The grass looks a little greener on the other side. So we, we, just like Adam and Eve did, remember that? You'll be just like God. If you step, there's an implied promise of greater good. So if my people, if we'll humble ourselves and turn from this word turn from right here, the turn from the wicked ways. But look, let's look at turn. We have to turn away from those wicked ways. So as we're turning away from the wicked ways, we have to press into him. Does that make sense? We got to press into God. The, the Bible says you draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Think about that. So if we turn from our wicked ways and we press into God, he'll grab us and pull us right into his bosom and love us and forgive us and restore us. 
and set our feet up upon the rock again. Are you following me? No matter how good you think you are right now, we're not good enough. We're not good enough. We've prostituted the body of Christ. The church has, I'm talking about, the church as a whole. And turn from their wicked ways. Their wicked ways right there. That word wicked means anything that doesn't line up with God's statutes, God's commands, or God's will. It doesn't have to be a big, bad sin. Anything. I'm talking about when the word says, fail not to assemble yourselves. Isn't that God telling us to join together as a group of believers as the body has to come together to work properly? Now, how would my body work if I had my foot out here on this street and my leg over here by the ES first? You follow me? And my head's out here on 69 Highway. That thing would not work right. It wouldn't work if it was all separated. He says, fail not to assemble that body of Christ so that we could come together for the working that the church needs to do. Are you following me? So if he says, fail not to assemble yourselves, if you don't do what he says to do, wicked. Right? It goes against God's will, against God's statutes. The Bible says, bring your tithe into the storeroom of the, of the church, right? Bring your tithe in the storeroom so there may be meat for my house. He says, test me on this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain. So if God's telling you to give a tenth of him, he said, he said before this, he said, it's in Malachi chapter 3. You can go back and read it for yourself. He said, who would rob me? And the people said, you're God. How could we rob you? Well, I told you to pay this tenth and you didn't do it, so you're robbing me. So if you're not paying your tithe, wicked, right? Maybe seem like small things. What, what I'm getting at, I'm not preaching on tithe today. I'm not preaching on, on, on being in church on time. I'm not preaching on I'm talking about as collectively. Whatever this book says we're supposed to do, if we're not doing it, it's wicked. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree on that? Yeah. Whatever it says not to do, if we step out into it, even if it's to a small degree, it's wicked. Right? So we have to humble ourselves and turn from those wicked ways. So that means we're going to do the statutes and the will of God. Then I will hear. Then will God will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Heal their land. Our land could use a healing today, wouldn't you think? This country is like I've never seen it before. I've only been here 44 years, but it's changed radically since I was a kid. Some of you who are older than me know know better than I do. But Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, 6 through 11 says this. Is this not, now before I read this to you, when I was studying this earlier in the week, I thought for sure God was going to make me fast this weekend. And you could tell by looking at me that I like to eat. So I really hate to fast, but I would do it if God specifically called me into a fast. I will fast. I've done it before and God knows that I'll do it again if he tells me to do it. But I, I thought that's what was coming, but, but he changed it up on me. Is, is this not the fast that I have chosen, this is God talking, to loose the bonds of wickedness, there's that word again, loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and, and that you break every yoke. So, so when, when, when we fast, it puts our, soul, our, it puts our body in the back seat and causes us to become more spiritual, right? More spiritually attuned to what God wants us to do. So when we become more spiritually attuned to what God wants us to do, and he shows us something that we're doing wrong, We've got a choice to make. We've got a choice to make. We have to either decide to do what God wants us to do and change that thing or try to sit in the little blue chair and be uh, hold on to where we're at, right? Stubborn and hold on where we're at or, or leave altogether. Are you following me? It forces a decision. We become more spiritual when we fast. Fast doesn't always have to mean food, though. Come on, sis. 
Is this not the fast that he wanted? Is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring, bring to your house the poor who, who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? So he's saying do for others. That's part of what a fast is. Come on, sis. <clears throat> then your light shall break forth like the morning and your, and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Hold on right there one second, sis. So that word right there, heal, to heal. God will forgive you. He will forgive us, but we've got to come back to him. He'll forgive us. He'll restore us. He'll comfort us. He'll guide us. He'll protect us. And he'll bless us. And he wants to do those things. He wants to do those things. But it's if. If we'll humble ourselves. If we'll turn from our wicked ways. If we'll do what he tells us to do. He'll provide for us. He'll be everything that we need. If. Come on. Or no, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And nine says, and that rear guard, who doesn't need God as your rear guard? As your rear guard. God's got your back. When you come back to him, God has got your back. That's what that scripture said right there. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, I hear. Or here I am, I mean to say. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke, from your midst, the, the pointing of your finger and the speaking wickedness. So in discord. That's a terrible thing to do. Then, then you shall call. Did you go on? I'm on 10. If you extend your, your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. And 11. The Lord, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in droughts and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a water garden and like a, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Think about a water garden, a real well-maintained garden. It produces fruit. Your life will produce fruit again if you decide to turn back to God. Or you can decide to turn away from God and you can go right back out the door totally unchanged. I prayed for everybody when you come in here today that God would change us. At least some of us, the ones who are willing to. I can't do it without you. You've got to be willing to do this. So church, if we're lacking, if you're enslaved, if you're in bondage today, turn to him. Turn to God. Give it to him today. Any takers on that? Can I get a read about it this time? If there's anybody that needs to leave something here for God, would you come to the altar and do that now? I know we're five minutes after. I don't care. I've got all day. God had me over here. At, he, he got me out of bed at 3 o'clock this morning. That was the fast he had me to do today. Brenda was up with the baby. She woke me up, and I started to roll over. I can go right back to sleep really good. And I started to roll over and go right back to sleep, and the Spirit quickened me and said, you got to go to church. I need some time with you. And I went to the church today. I came here at 3 o'clock, and the Spirit just moved mightily in this building he moved so mightily in this building. And I had church before y'all got here today, and it was wonderful. And it was exactly what I needed. That was the fast that I had to have for God. I had to give him my first fruits today and come here and just, and just lay it out in front of him. Lay out in front of him. And, he, and he, he overwhelmed me with his spirit this morning. Sometimes the fast is not food. Sometimes it's just giving it all to God. Whatever he calls for at that time is your fast. Thank you for all the people who came to the altar, all the people who responded. If you're in your chair today... And God's dealing with you with something. 
Could I see your hand? I can pray with you. I won't call you out. Thank you for the hands. Thank you for the hands all over the house. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God was right on the mark today. Right on the mark today. If you're here today and you don't know God as your personal Savior, anybody ready to make that commitment today? Could I see your hand? We'll pray together. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. If you're here today and you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if Jesus stepped out of that cloud today, that you're on your way to heaven. If you don't know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, then you're probably not. Just to be real honest with you, you're probably not. It's a commitment that we need to make before you leave here. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. No one is guaranteed the next breath. The breath that we, believe in, that we breathe into our lungs belongs to God. Everything's God's. We're on borrowed time. Can we go ahead and just close in prayer? We'll do the sinner's prayer. If you would just repeat after me. Father, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on a cross for my sin. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. We can close the prayer if we can now. Father, we thank you for this day, Daddy, and we just praise your mighty name. Lord, I pray for these people who are sitting at the altars today, Father. I pray that you would start a new fire inside them, Lord. Set, set a new fire inside of this whole church, Father God. Lord, bind us together in an atmosphere thick with love, Father God. Just grow this church stronger, Lord. Grow us spiritually, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you would cause people to make new commitments here today, Lord, that they're willing to stick to, Dad. And you remind them of it when they leave out these doors, Lord, that we're not going to go back to the way that we were, Father God, but we're going to go back to your way, your way, Father God. We're not going to prostitute ourselves, your body, Christ, to, to the world anymore, Father. We thank you for these things, Daddy, and we praise you for these things, Father. I pray that you would protect us from sin, Lord, protect us from evil, Lord, protect us physically, protect us financially, Lord, protect us spiritually. In every way, protect us, Father God. Bring us back here on Wednesday night with a guest, Daddy. We pray these things to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. There are people at the altar still praying, so be mindful of that.